Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Brigadier as he investigates a spooky doll in episode 377. I'm Keith. <laughs> that synopsis does not do this book justice. Good thing that's not my synopsis. Oh, okay. That opening doesn't do this book justice either. His synopsis is that the Brigadier investigates a creepy doll. <laughs> I don't want to tip my hat or spoil it early for the listeners, but there's a little bit more going on in the book than There's quite than a bit more that. than that. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? A little slap happy. Oh, I'm tickled now. That's a, that, that open. I was I don't know what I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it was just funny. I didn't know what I was gonna do until it happened. So I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Well, I won't, I won't say that that was obvious then. <laughs> we joined Lush for the Stewart and a creature and a pit. <laughs> <laughs> that too is accurate. Uh, the open was good. quite accurate. He does investigate a creepy doll. It just happens to be a little more too. Of the, and, and, I mean, don't get me wrong. It is creepy. It's, it is creepy. That's what brings him there. Yeah. It, 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 it is a legitimately creepy doll. You said spooky though, didn't you? Spooky, creepy, yeah. Yeah, whatever. Cinnamon cinnamons. No. What are you guys doing this week? Anything? <laughs> well, we went and saw Ready Player One. Yay! What'd you think? I thought it was good. It wasn't fantastic. Like It wasn't the level of the book. Sarah was really disappointed with it because of how much they changed. Did she read the book or yeah, did you read it did. to her? Um, I understood the changes they made and was okay with it. And I liked some stuff, but was surprised at how much depth, how much, a bit more depth to the film than there was to the book. We also watched uh, The Mountain Between Us. What did you think of that one? Which was pretty good. It was uh, a little different than I expected. I also kind of ex- watched it, trying to think of, okay, what's going to be the big twist going on? And there wasn't one. So it was pretty straightforward, but enjoyable. And there was a mountain. There, there was literally a mountain <laughs> between them. Well, not really between them, but, you know, with them. Title doesn't quite make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and the, the only other thing I did was I listened to the first Doctor Adventures. From Big Finish. That's the oh, David yeah. Bradley one. Which was pretty good. The, the stories were good. The performances, they're not spot on interpretation or um, impersonations of the roles, but they do a pretty decent job. I don't know if I mentioned this last week, but the week before, we actually went and saw uh, Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle. What oh, did you did think? You? I was quite pleased that it's a sequel. <laughs> you had mentioned that, but picks right up basically where it left off. Although, Caitlin made a point that. Uh, they were in some foreign country when it washed up on the beach yeah. at the end. But I said, well, yeah, but maybe somebody just tossed it back in the ocean and it washed up somewhere else. So I said at least they acknowledged the fact that it came from the board game. So. Did you do anything, Sean? Um, yeah, we went and saw... Um, what did we see this week? We went to the, uh, we saw Love, Simon, which was really pretty good. It's a coming-of-age and coming-out story. But it was, it was very good. It was enjoyable. And we saw a couple others. I don't remember now what they were. <laughs> They all start to blend together after a while. Have you seen the second solo trailer? Yes, my gosh. I have been lukewarm on this film all along until I watched that trailer and I went, dang you, Lucasfilm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still trepidatious about it. I'm, um, I, have a, I have a few 
just continuity concerns more than anything else. I'm I'm angry. I've said all along I don't need a young Han movie because there's no amount of peril you can put him in. I'm like, oh, look, here's Chewie hanging off the edge of this train, and here comes a big rock. I'm not concerned. I know he makes it out of this. But I'm angry because, like you, I've been so lukewarm, lukewarm, hot. And this this trailer came out, and I was like, oh, damn it, that looks really good. (laughs) Anything else? I don't think so. All right, let's move on to news. Well, in our news, Titan Comics has announced uh, The Road to the 13th Doctor. Ooh. What's that about? Which is going to be a three-part comic series leading up to their 13th Doctor comic line starting. So each, both 10, 11, and 12 will have comics released supposedly with a 13th Doctor theme somehow. At least they're bannering it as the road to the 13th Doctor. There's not a lot of details about what each issue is about or how it will tie into the well, 13th Doctor. I hope she doesn't show up because it goes against what we've been talking about. Right. The trend is going towards, you know, multi-Doctor stories were event stories. And it seems like while Titan is inventing events every year just to do something like this, if they do that, then that's outside of the event and... We've already done some of that crossover so outside I'm of the event. Looking at this anyway. in more detail, I don't know if it, that will happen. Okay. Because it sound, looks like each issue also contains a serialized short story from the creative team behind the new 13th Doctor ongoing comic series. Uh-huh. So we might get short little 13th Doctor stories in addition to Okay. Well, I might comics. be all right with that then. It sounded like a really cool idea when you first said it, and then I thought about it and went, wait a minute. We've already been on the road to the thirteenth Doctor. It was we've been on the, the. It's called the twelfth Doctor. We, <laughs> it's from one. We've been on the road to the thirteenth Doctor. <laughs> we're, we're, what can, now, if the little vignettes are like Barcelona, like if it's one of those you know little segments that they did with David Tennant after he first regenerated. Oh yeah, and he was just in the TARDIS before the episode picked up on the. Okay, I'd, I'd be down with that, but. Depends on how they're going to do it. Yeah, it depends on how they're doing it. I'm with you. I don't don't want to cross over yet. Time will tell. (laughs) I see what you did there. Uh, Our other bit of news is the the novelizations that uh, we talked about not that long ago have been released and reviews are coming out and we're learning some snippets of some details added in to some of the stories from the authors, including... uh, Stephen Moffat making the Peter Cushing movies in the canon with them being movies in the Doctor Who universe. Which we discussed before when we learned that he wanted to put that in the Day of the Doctor right. uh, television episode and wasn't able to do it because of rights issues or whatever. And so it wasn't a surprise to me that he did it, but it was it's a delight that he's done it in the novelization. Yeah, I would agree. And then the other thing, well, so there's <laughs> this is another, the one that's catching a lot of flack. There's also in Day of the Doctor a nice uh, mention that the Doctor was friends with Cushing. Oh yeah, yeah. Did you see that? Yeah. And that to me is the best part of it. He took him forward in time, and he was able to appear in other films after his death. Yeah, I thought that meaning was a Rogue little, One. <laughs> I thought that was a little old. Dude, Peter Cushing that cameoed little, in a sci-fi. That was film. a little cheap, cheeky, but <laughs> I like that part. Well, I like it because it also establishes that Star Wars exists in the Doctor Who universe. <laughs> so that makes me happy. The movies, yes. 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 We knew that, though. 
Well, yeah, because I wrote the Cyberman Bob story with a lightsaber, so yeah. I'd already done it. But I guess if Moffat well, wants to come along and do it, they mentioned Star Wars. In they mentioned Star Trek. They've mentioned Star Trek. I don't think they've ever mentioned Star Wars. I don't Wars. think they mentioned Star Wars. Come back to it. I'll, I'll recall <laughs> it because I, I I remember maybe it was the Star Trek. Are you thinking of the Impossible Astronaut Day of the Moon, where she's talking about that's a Star Trek mask no. thing, isn't it? No, no, no. I'll think of it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> RTD has also added some extra uh, stuff in Rose where he envisions future versions of the Doctor so the passage says Rose saw a man of fantastic, with a fantastic jaw dressed in a tweed jacket and a bow tie then Clive kept the sequence going an older angry man in a brown caretaker's coat holding a mop a blonde woman embraces running away from a giant frog in front of Buckingham Palace now that's a story I want to see uh, spoilers <laughs> if we get a frog episode next season I'm going to be really <laughs> upset a tall bald black woman wielding a flaming sword a young girl or boy in a high tech wheelchair with what looked like a robot dog at their side why not yeah why not eh. I, that's the one I think a lot of people are having issue with because they're saying, and I don't know because I haven't actually read this, but they're saying that it give, it implies that Rose would be familiar with the regeneration prior to the Doctor regenerating, which is such an impact on her storyline that she doesn't realize that this happens. And so by putting that in there, that implies that she would have... Clive also say he doesn't always show up at the same face? And doesn't he point out that isn't that's your doctor's face, right? Doesn't He, he does say that. Say he does say that. But so it's implied that he has different faces. But she's just going on some crazy guy at that time who shows her two pictures of the same doctor that she's going to end up with. So I can I think it's it's, it's all right there. To imply that, because he's just inferring that I think he's shown up, or I've heard he shows up. He doesn't show her any proof of it. This is showing her proof of it, which okay. should have uh, should have at least applied to her when the Doctor regenerates into ten, and she should have at least been implanted with the idea that this is a new face. She's she's taken off guard by that, and I think that kind of cheapens that moment in the series yeah. by doing it. That. It can be implied that. If, if the Doctor is a title that's passed from person to person, and he shows up with a different face, that, you know, I, I can rationalize that one and, and write it off. Because I think if it were me in that position, I would disregard that altogether and really be tripping over the, how is he standing on the deck of the Titanic? Right. You know, this is the guy. This, when this, it does, this passage, we don't see, at least without the actual novelization here, we don't see... What Rose's reaction to these other pictures are, right. if she disregards them, or how she views these other pictures of, of him. It's an RTD moment. He's being cheeky. Well, yeah. And I, it's a novelization. It's not... If, if you go by the quote-unquote canon... It's canon. If it's not on TV... It's a novelization of a TV episode, so it's not the actual TV episode. They didn't re-edit the episode to put it in there, so it's technically... Not fully canon. It's, it's not a George Lucas special edition. Right, exactly. Steven Spielberg removing it's, the guns a, from As e. with e. any all Doctor Who canon, take what you want to accept as canon, ignore the rest. Canon. <laughs> On shot first. Um, I'm, remember, I had to go to Wiki to, to 
bring it back. But Clyde uh, calls Luke his young Padawan in Sarah Jane Adventures, which is Uh, in the same universe. And that's what I was thinking. I was thinking it was a reference to. Okay. Yeah. So, however, that being said, that's the TV link that I could find. But there's all kinds of links all through books and uh, video or not video. Big Finish audio specifically. All right. Shall we do our review? (laughs) Yes. A very private haunting. Brigadier Lethbridge Stewart is not a man who likes to leave things unfinished. He is, therefore, at a loss when forced to take into taking leave after his recent tussle with a shadow creature, a case that is yet to be fully resolved. And Travers is tired of the gloss burning in her heart. So when Lethbridge Stewart is called to Glen Cross to help the son of an old friend, she insists on going with him. In Glen Cross, the uh, young Thomas Campbell has gone missing, and his friends band together to uncover a dark secret at the heart of the village. Meanwhile, Arthur Penrose had returned to his ancestral home to find a haunted residence and a doll with a message. What connects the doll to the strange sounds that scurry around Penrose Manor? One of the adults of Glen Cross seems so intent on keeping their children from leaving the village. And what has all this got to do with the shadow creature? It is up to the up to the Lethbridge Stewart and Anne to find out. Bum bum bum. I went into this with a marked lack of enthusiasm. Why? Because it's a very private haunting, which means it's a ghost story. Would you rather it be a public haunting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, right, right off the bat, it's like, oh, we're doing the haunted house one. Okay. And you guys know how I feel about haunted house stories in Doctor Who. It's just like, well, here we go. And instead, we start with this shadow creature and a light gun. And I was like, ooh, that's cool. I mean, that's, I don't know why, the visual of Lethbridge Stewart brandishing a gigantic flashlight (laughs) hooked up to a generator that these guys are hauling around the hospital. That excited me. I was so like, that is great. That's fantastic. Then we got into the the haunting part with Arthur going home to the manor, and it it, it kind of started to bog down for me. And I, I don't mean that the book was written poorly. I mean, it's just for me, that's not a story arc that I'm terribly interested in. Until he took the doll in, and it was a Tesla doll. Then all of a sudden, it peaked for me again. It was, it was like, an Edison doll. It was or Edison doll, Edison, pardon me. a Tesla doll. Uh, uh, an Edison doll, and it peaked for me. And I, 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 I ratcheted back into it again. And it just seems like, for whatever reason, from that moment on, I flew through it. It, it, it was just more, more, more chewing it up. And the mystery in the village, which... I don't know, kind of reminded me, uh, shades a little bit of uh, the Torchwood episode, Countryside, with, mm-hmm, I mean, mm-hmm. not cannibalism in this case, but... <laughs> the fact that the humans are doing evil things. Everybody's in on it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, um, I don't know, I, I I thought it was cool, I really liked it. I found the the, the Shadow Monster and the, and the Briggs stuff very engaging, I found Arthur's stuff very engaging, I kept stumbling as we got to... Thomas and what was going on with him and trying to keep him straight of between him and Duncan, which one I was, was a little, yeah. and what was going on there and what and I finally I got there. It just took me a little bit to kind of get the hang of who all these people were. The first couple of transitions. There's a lot of back new and people forth. incorporated into the story and it took a lot to try to keep them track. Well, especially once Duncan gets head. lost in the woods too, then all of a sudden it's like, which one am I? Oh, okay. 
Yeah. yeah. Which I think is to its detriment. Overall, I like this book. I wouldn't heap it on the top of the stack of my favorites, mm-hmm. but it that to its detriment, it introduced a lot of characters that it does finally kind of wrap up, but it feels like the story goes several different directions until it finally narrows back at the end. And I felt like there was a little too much of Thomas's story for a guy who's going to eat it or is going to get eaten, I suppose. Is and the, who we don't actually name. get to see get eaten. Yeah. And it kind of gets left. There's a little too much. There's a, there's a relationship developed among the three teens, the four teens that are looking for Thomas and wanting to leave. But I felt that I think they drove in well enough on Duncan's character, but I think the other characters, the, the, the story is going really well with developing them together and, and growing their stories only to, to me feel like it gets very, just chopped off at the end like they there's no resolution for these four other than the 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 unit comes in and and or the fifth comes in and mops everything up for them and figures it out so to me that was just a little too abrupt i kind of wanted to see a little more development with the with the teens as they were you know trying to uncover things most obvious is when scott and uh his girlfriend can't remember her name eileen eileen was not Eileen the... I think so. Yeah, Lauren she, she, was the other girl, She was, right? the, she was the sister. Who was the, who was the, so. Yeah, Eileen was the sister. You're right. Okay, so Scott and Eileen go to the church to investigate, and they see something, and then it's dropped, and then we don't pick that storyline up because later we're told that they saw something and they show up at the at right. the, the house. And so it was yeah. like... I, I just... I wanted more... I wanted these threads that were weaving out to not be so neatly tied up so quickly. I wanted them to maybe merged together a little bit more or trim down the characters that are in the book because there was way too much going on. The, 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 well, all of these characters had purpose. The other one was the, uh, uh Vicar. Mm-hmm. The yeah. very, that was that, that his character was completely wasted, completely wasted because you've got this Vicar who thinks there's a treasure on the property. He's there as a treasure hunter. And while his, parish or not his parish his 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 uh office at the church relays enough information for um and to cobble together some information and put together some clues his storyline is just he shows up and he's this you know greedy guy that wants this treasure then he goes to look for the treasure then he's nowhere to let be seeing the rest of the story so it just they it really had too many character arcs going on for what it needed to be for this book, if you're not going to give me some resolution of these storylines that you've built out, then don't put them in the book. Just right. you, there, there was a much tidier way to to pull this book together. Well, I think one of those tidier ways is as cool as the the light gun was. The the darkness creature, every passage with it from its perspective is absolutely confusing, and I could not tell what was going on throughout the entire thing. They needed more definition of what it was doing, what it was looking at. I understood the, it didn't know what these things were, but as a reader, I need to understand what's happening. Otherwise, I don't care. Once you give me one passage of it didn't know what was going on, okay, cool, it's it's totally, not necessarily alien, alien, but it, it's, right. it's something outside of the experience that cannot be described. I'm with you. I don't need to go back to that now. 
because everything at every host it jumped into every hunger every sleep every it was like okay every small creature every large creature <laughs> yeah, every, yeah. yeah i don't know which creatures these are i can't keep, if, because it's not if, it if doesn't have fit, a frame of reference to right, explain them to so me if, so I, it's just a thing with teeth and claws okay and right. i i almost think that it would the story would have been better served without the dark Agreed. creature they either and needed, just have the fox creatures whatever yes, they were called yeah, absolutely be the big hundred percent agree with and you. them feeding it and this breeding and they have to try to take them all down because there's so many of them etc etc or take out the parents just that whole plot would have been enough to fill the story See, the, dark, right. the dark is a terrific idea it's, it's a great it needs its own story, it needs its, own story. Yeah. it's almost like this this uh villain or bad guy or whatever you want to call it monster is piggybacking on this ride the whole way this this the story the whole way. See, I thought it was. I thought they were doing a Bond thing where it's like, oh, this is the cold open, and then yeah, the haunting which I think part would have been the, fine, and I'd have been fine with that. But then they kept re-referencing it and going back to it. And I went, why are we doing this? Because it doesn't seem to be matching up with. Well, okay, I'm, you know, I'll see where it goes. But yeah, I agree with you. I didn't. Yeah. Um, the characters, almost it 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 gave the impression like a Stephen King novel. Stephen King likes big casts. He likes a lot of characters. And he'll spend a couple chapters introducing you to somebody who's going to get eaten. <laughs> and I kind of felt like that's that was the, the goal. That was what Which, they were going for. And I didn't mind like the the old lady who and the vet who show up to have that plot of them being killed because it was such a short plot line. Yeah. And we had, yes. we had resolution for that plot. Well, but I wanted that... Okay, go go ahead, finish your but thought. I'll, just, I'll readdress that. The, the, the same thing with the kids that it felt like we were going to get this kind of you, they were building them up, and then you were because we've killed the vet, because we've killed this, we we oh they're they're in danger, they're in mortal peril, they're going to not make it. But then everything gets truncated just because well we can only go about two three hundred pages in these books, and then you've got to wrap it up. So it it very much in my mind felt like something that the author had planned a much more extensive thing that it probably got lost in editing. Um, just because something had to be sacrificed in order to get it in, I'm not playing. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, bla- I'm not blaming the editor, mind you. I'm just. That, that's what it felt like. Is that there were more of those kinds of little inroads that were probably there, or at least planned, and just didn't make it. To your point, I agree that that that, that scene was, was fine. Those were... But the thing is, we invested too much explanation in it by mm. making it this gale force of wind, and suddenly she disappears, and it, you know. I understand that the, the the author is looking for a reason for misdirection from the villagers as to why she disappeared. However, there was much too mystery too much mystery built into that that I thought that this creature had a power that never was revealed. Yeah, and that was true. the problem with that. If it had just been a a a dark figure comes in and takes her and then then they explain it away as something else, then I'm okay with that. But it's like they a wind that he didn't see and it blew in the the it just it was it was building too much mystery around how it happened in order to give yourself a reason for the villagers to explain it away that well it was a freak so freak that the of clues nature. wouldn't match so up. The, right so the clues would match up that it just that that took it too far for me because then it has me as the reader going what kind of powers does this thing have it didn't it just was really quick we needed Anne to be at the scene with the brig investigating and go, well, this was no boating accident. We, we needed that scene because that would have truncated all of that and gone, okay, move on. Because once she says something, it's, 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 it's gospel. <laughs> um, my only other complaint about the book, and I, I can't 
quite put my finger on what this was and is, so I'm just going to put it there and leave it there, is there's a bit of a disjointed writing style. And by that, I mean there's a lot of... There's a lot of dissolved scene, what I call dissolved scene action in this, where something will happen and then a lot of things will happen off camera because we've dissolved to another part just to get rid of having to go through the motions of getting from A to B. And sometimes that works and sometimes that's necessary. But in this book, it felt like we had a lot of times where we were here and then we were here and then we were explaining what happened from here to here. The narrative was explaining it. Somebody wasn't literally giving you an info dump on what happened, but... Um, there was times where it felt like there was just too much of this for the sake of moving the plot along. We have skipped ahead and said, okay, we don't need to explain this. And so while that may have been necessary to keep the story a little more confined, it started to feel disjointed to me because it seemed to skip ahead too often. So that was my only other complaint. I thoroughly enjoyed it. A case of too many cliffhangers? Maybe, maybe. Um, but not resolved cliffhanger. Yeah. Just, okay, and later the next day. You know, that kind of thing. It's just like, well, wait a minute. You can't do that. Um, overall, though, I mean, the, the, the story is enjoyable. It's, 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 it's a fine idea, uh, minus all the things that I had previously mentioned to it. It's a, it's a fine idea. Um, the Edison doll, I didn't know anything about those. In fact, I, I thought yeah. that was something that they had made up until I went and researched. And I was like, oh, these were actually a thing. Hmm. Um, and... You know, I really liked the the relationship between uh, Anne and the Brig. I thought they did. Yes. They had a really great chemistry, and it was really nice to see them working together and getting along under the guise of being outside of what their normal duties are. Even down to the point of calling her, wanting him to call her Anne, and and uh, even <laughs> Check, calling, checking in as my yeah, brother, even He'll calling get the in him as Alistair, and him bristling against it all. I I I felt the. Eventually, they would need to call the Corian, but I like that they did a lot of the legwork themselves yeah. ahead of time, not relying on the core. Which sometimes, I don't, I don't know that there's anything that they've gone too far where they felt like the core just kind of. I mean, other than some of the short stories we've we've mentioned that, but I was really afraid that they were going to call the Corian too early, and I felt like they kind of came in at the right time. Um, other than it seemed to kind of speedily wrap up but like well, the, the the zombie one it was like hurry up get the core here <laughs> yeah. i really liked i really liked arthur i thought uh, arthur yeah. Pembrose was great what a wonderful character and his chemistry with alice there was fantastic yeah, and even with Anne. and in fact yeah. she that was the neat thing about this this was really built really well because you've got a man who feels like he's going mad who can't decide whether he's actually being haunted by something or if it's real and that 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 is written really well his struggle with trying to grasp and deal with what's happening to him is done really well. Yeah. And to have Anne and, and the Brig come in and kind of ground him again and put him into this, okay, no, here here are the reasons behind this. This is the scientific reason. Behind, to kind of bring him down off of that, settle him down, make him uh, not think he's going mad again, only to turn around and go back that direction at the end of the book. I thought that was very, that was well-crafted. I thought that yeah. was really neat. I was almost upset because it felt like we, we, we get the wonderful stuff with the Brig and Anne, and they get up there, and then Anne feels sidelined for a good chunk of it. That she says, well, go to your room and read. Go 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 have one conversation in the street, and then we're not going to get to you for five other chapters because we've got all these characters that we're setting up. And I was almost to the point of thinking, why did you even bother bringing her if you're not going to go? But then all of a sudden, she came back in and was very instrumental to you know the way things wrapped up. So I was like, well, oh, that, okay. And that, that whole end sequence with her and the brig in the house was fantastic. It was terrific. I think that the, I'll keep pointing out the flaws. I'm sorry, guys. The 
only thing that I don't like about that, and they'll fix this if there are repercussions later, but the only thing I don't like about that is they dealt with her dealing with that in the epilogue. Right. I would have liked more of her trying to come with to terms with what she had to do and why she had to do it. It's it's a throwaway conversation between her and Bishop in the epilogue, and I felt that I, would, I felt cheated by that. However, that being said, if the series deals with that down the line, then that will be a payoff for me, and I will be okay with the way they dealt with it in this book. Well, and seeing future Anne, knowing she gets to that point where she is more <clears throat> gun savvy and more action oriented down the road. Well, she's more action oriented. She's not necessarily as gun savvy. <laughs> Well, or even, or even as, or even as, I don't know how to how to say it. Even not even, not as trigger happy. Yeah, I mean that, that's not what I'm looking for either. But yeah, no, it just, it's just she's she, science still leads. I with think her. I think that's just it. I think Anne's always been willing to do what needs to be done, but in this situation, it put her in mind of that may not have been the way that this should have been handled, and mm-hmm. so. And I think that she's right to feel that way, to feel that her actions taken weren't necessarily the best, even if it was a survival instance like that. And I think that that doesn't go... I don't think that changes her as a character in the future, even coming in and saving the two Briggs in the two Briggs, which she does as well. But I think it's... I don't know. I think there needs to be some causality there that she needs to deal with and... I don't think we've connected to Anne in the future yet. Right. No, I, I think it's a stepping stone to that direction. Right, right. And I think they will follow that up. And I was a little worried what, with as we got to that action scene, we wouldn't even get any resolution of or afterthought of what impact this would have on her as a character. Well, I think that even the so more... I'm glad they had something in the epilogue talking about it. I think the thing that drives it home a little harder which i was appreciated although it was kind of callous him to say it is the brig saying well miss travers will make a soldier out of you yet and i thought oh man you how long have you known this woman that is not the thing you say when she's put in a situation where she has to pick up a firearm and start shooting baby fox man things you know i mean it's just like <laughs> yeah. that's just uh that was that seemed a little callous to me, and it. And at the same time, it seemed like something the brigadier would say. So I suppose maybe it was it was written well, and it was within the character of the brig. But I did I cringed when he said that because I said I know her well enough that that's not what's going to set well with her yeah. because that's what you guys have developed this nice, warm friendship like relationship on this adventure, and then you've turned back to type the the way that things are going to turn back when they get back to. The castle, and it's back to headquarters, and it's going to be you know which they're going to have to. That's going to have to happen. I think they have the same relationship they had here in Glens Cross as they're going to have, no. you know, further well, on. They, they they could. It would just have to be tempered by this is the working relationship versus this is the yeah. But the, you know how well that went with Sally. And well, I mean, yeah. that was a different situation because that was a romantic situation, and this isn't with him and Anne. But it's still echoes of the same thing. So I don't know. There's now, one. I don't want to sound like I'm bashing this book, because I think I even gave it four stars on Goodreads, although the more I talk about it, maybe I'm going to back that off. But it, was, it wasn't it was a bad book at all. I really enjoyed it. It's just I'm I'm ready to get on to the next story, because this one was just kind of, eh, okay, that yeah. was good. Bring on the next one. I would agree. I didn't have as many issues with it, but you bring up valid points. Yeah, I hate to say, I, I hate admitting that. I really, <laughs> I really, really hate admitting Glenn is valid. One, one other thing that I did like, and this goes back to, I'm kind of in the same boat that you were, 
Sean, when I started reading this and I, I saw the title and I was like, oh, okay, let's see where they go with this. I hope they don't do what they do. However, by the time we get to the point, what was the little girl's name that was the original sacrifice? Oh, I don't remember now. When they get to the point where, and I, this is the reason for the dark character. This is the reason for the dark. And it's because she's the light. And oh, she's the light right. that vanquishes the dark in that situation. And I understand why the author pulled the thread through the whole story in order to get to that point. Because that's really the saving grace for Ar- uh, Arthur. Because while the brig and and dispatch of the man fox creature, whatever we... Uh, there's a there's a Gaelic name for it, but I couldn't I'm pronounce it. I just kept looking at it going, I don't know what that is. Um, <laughs> I like how it was, her? It was Anne who kept stumbling over it and couldn't yeah. say it right either. Her, the the little girl, um, her essence or energy or whatever echo of her that was there was basically what vanquished the dark entirely because she was basically what caught was the, the cause of what the gun was basically doing in the beginning of this thing. So there was a nice book into that. And but I really like the fact that he had to. He had to come to terms with the fact that this had happened to her and he is the one that apologizes to her for it now. That being said, I wish there'd have been a little more in- interconnectivity in the Pembroke's history. Was it maybe they left this uh, open in- unintentionally or intentionally? Was it his ancestors that was there for the first sacrifice? Because it's that's technically on his I, land. That's the impression I got. And so it had to was be that they him. started this ritual. It had to be him that apologized to her in order for to, to release her spirit. Right. And he's she's the one that's trying to communicate with him through the doll because she right. they're, they're the little snippets of, you know, deliver us from evil. Even though it's the Lord's Prayer, I really like the idea that it drilled down to it would take pieces of it. And obviously the I think the call Alistair, call Lethbridge Stewart, didn't come across well enough that whether it was his dad that had left the message yeah, it doesn't. or whether it was the doll that had done it. We're led to believe that that's what happened. But then it was also taking pieces of the Lord's Prayer that was reciting and deliver us from evil was a blatant, oh yeah, fix this situation, help us, release yeah. our spirit, or whatever yeah. it is keeping us. And I kind of wish maybe the book had gone a little further into explaining that, but I also am okay with leaving it because I think maybe you and I landed in the same place where this was all started by his ancestors and or his, yeah. his, at least his... That's definitely his, the impression I got. Yeah, his uh, family... And so it was down to him to release this curse. Well, yeah. it was the the building of the manor on the intersecting right, and I think the ley lines. The ley lines that, but I think, well, I think part of that was to explain away the reason why her energy was trapped oh, that's, there. That's, and that's the scientific, brought, right? And what brought yeah. the uh, the the creature there to continue to feed there? Right. It also lent to the idea of why you had to have why you had townsfolk that were still. <laughs> Still adhering to this legend that, it, that you're supposed to in the sacrifice 60s or 70s. One of the key, yeah, I was that was a little hard to swallow. But I think the leyline theory of the the energy and the legend and the lore and the superstition that kind of that kind of lent some credibility to it for me. So I actually was okay with the leyline idea. <laughs> Not in small towns, I totally bought that. <laughs> the, the the spiritual energy is where I kind of I have to fall back on it some and go. Well, now we're back into the more mystical supernatural elements and versus the did go there. scientific. It does go there yeah. in this book. So. Um, I, I liked the light gun a lot better, but um. <laughs> there was some great Captain Miles action going on. Yeah, you got. He, he turned out to be a pretty all right a, little. You character. got a solo venture there, uh, yeah, and a troop to lead and everything. 
Well, I've I felt kind of guilty being my uh, namesake being in most of the books, so I was glad <laughs> to step aside. Yeah, and... I appreciate that. <laughs> um, I th- you, I th- you don't I th- argue with Sean. I Miles. thought for sure one of no. you guys was going to say you didn't like it because Major Bartlett wasn't <laughs> in the book. <laughs> I was waiting I was for the defense. The the uh, okay, I appreciate that. Ah, uh, anything I, else? I, I know what Major Bartlett's up to. <laughs> anything else that uh, you guys want to? I feel like I've dominated this conversation. No, I, it goes I back to very valid point. It goes back to months ago, where I said every time I come to a thing, I, I think I'm not going to say much because I don't have a lot good to say, and then I start pointing out all the problems I have. But I don't want it to make it sound like I think people should read this book. It's another fine entry in the Lethbridge Stewart story. Oh, it yeah. is enjoyable. It has a lot of bright spots, which I hope I pointed out enough of those as well. But um, yeah, it was good. It was a good book. All right. Well, so what do we got coming up on the schedule? Coming up on the schedule for next week, we're going to dip our toe back into the Big Finish waters with story number 96, Valhalla, which is a Seventh Doctor audio, and the Titan Comics miniseries Ghost Stories. I know Glenn is so excited. You keep saying that, but I've already said that. It's because he is. I'm okay with this. Yeah, I'm I'm okay with it. He told me earlier I put up the the ghost image on our Facebook banner, and he was so excited to see it there. I was excited. You know, I I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, and then I got shut down by Keith, who said, well, wait until you review it. But I I think it's okay as a comic book, because it's a comic book character, but when it's in the world of Doctor Who, it just didn't, I don't know. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it. I'm shutting myself down this week. We'll see how we feel We're going to get there. We'll see how we feel. And then uh, the following week is our our, our discussion on WhoBots, so you still have time to get your feedback in and uh, let us know uh, what robots in the uh, universe of Doctor Who are your favorites and why. And we'll be talking about arts. Oh, so that's the approach we're going with it? No, but but we'll be talking about it. (laughs) Basically, I'm looking for any excuse not to talk about quirks. So, <laughs> good luck with that. <laughs> so, robots is two weeks from now. Two weeks from now. All right. Two weeks from now. I've still got to chart some more graphs. Two weeks. If you want to send us uh, some feedback about robots, you can do that by going to our website, travelingthevortex.com, and fill out the send us feedback tab, or reach out to us on any form of social media. Very good. Anything else we need to touch on this week? All right, that's going to do it. Until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.